Hey everyone, this is Scott, and my co-host is Joshua Marsh, and we want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to spend it here with us. Our goal is to provide you with insight about our lives, how we navigate it, and how our faith is that compass. We want to encourage you to pray more often, more consistently, and in all things. Talking with God is about just that, the conversation that you have with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is not complicated. We make it complicated. There's no special sauce to getting prayer right. So let's shed that stigma that talking with God is complicated. God, our Father, is there to listen to us in all seasons. Whether you are in a happy mood, or maybe you are facing some struggles and are angry at the world, or even God himself, he is still there. So join us each week on Thursdays as we talk about our lives and how that relates to talking with God. Thank you for joining me here again on Talking With God. I want to tell you how thankful I am that you're taking time out of your day to spend it here with me. Last week we didn't publish an episode because I was moving offices. I'm in a new space now. The acoustics should hopefully be better. But at the end of the day, I want to make sure that we have quality content. So what we're going to do this week is we're going to cover the first part of chapter 5 in Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And chapter 5 starts off with a story about a warden in Louisiana who was in charge of Angola Prison. It's a maximum security prison, and many of the prisoners are serving life sentences. While the warden was in charge of the prison, his church began working through Blackaby's book. And when the church had completed the study the warden felt moved to bring hope and salvation to the prisoners. He made the Experiencing God study available to the prisoners, and something truly amazing happened. God began transforming lives through that study. Inmates were being saved, and some even felt the call to ministry. The pleas from the inmates was so loud that the warden worked with a theological seminary to bring four-year degrees to those inmates. Even though they were in prison, they could earn a degree. They could feel like they accomplished something. And not only that, once their courses were complete, the inmates were asking to be transferred to other prisons to continue doing God's work. Prisons asked the warden to send them inmates to help reproduce what his prison was seeing. When you have a whole bunch of people that are locked up and they have nothing to lose, To see something like that happen, only God can move like that. God put a man in one of the most demoralizing places in the country, and he sparked a revival. The Bible is designed by God to help us understand his ways. That way, when God starts to use our lives in the same way he did with the people in Scripture, we can recognize that it's God calling us to work. And Blackaby describes three characteristics in how men and women responded to God when he spoke. First, they knew it was God. Just as God is the moral lawgiver, we know when we are doing wrong. We can also identify when God is speaking to us. They knew exactly what God was saying. And they knew what they were to do in response to God's commands. The Seven Realities of God, which is the title of chapter 5, really lay the groundwork for the rest of the book. They will help us understand how God works in and through a person's life. 
So chapter five is really an overview. It's a syllabus, if you will. Blackaby posits that several questions may come up in the following chapters, and I've had that happen. Things like, what is really involved in a love relationship with God? Or how can I know when God is speaking? Or what about, how can I recognize when God is at work? What kind of adjustments does God require me to make? And what is the difference between adjustment and obedience? Before we begin diving deeper, we should consider someone in the Bible that is a great example of how God works in a person's life. So if you need to, and I strongly suggest this, pause this and read Exodus chapters 2 through 4 so that you can see Moses' early life and how he was called to ministry. And you'll see clearly that things like Moses' experience at the burning bush is an illustration of God inviting us, his people, to join him in his work. Now we will go over three of the realities in this episode and four in the next, and it really is worth breaking it into two different episodes so we don't miss anything. The first reality of experiencing God is that God is always at work around you. God did not just create the world and abandon it. He has been and is actively involved in the affairs of humanity and always will be. He's orchestrating history as I speak. And his work is straightforward for us. Because of sin, humanity is separated from a close relationship with God. God is working in his world to bring about the redemption of those who are alienated from him. Alienation is to face imminent judgment and destruction. But through Christ, God has done the work to reconcile the world to himself. And those who accept that grace, given to us freely, but paid for by Christ's blood, are called to do God's work. And Moses' life is a prime example of that. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male Israelites because they were propagating and their numbers were growing too large. Moses' mother hid him in an ark on the Nile to keep him safe. He was found and taken under the wing of Pharaoh's daughter, and she couldn't nurse him, so then she asked for one of her ladies to go and find someone to be his wet nurse. And the way that God works things, he made it so that Moses' own mother was able to care for him as a wet nurse. God was working in Moses' life before he could even speak. When Moses came of age, he killed an Egyptian and fled to Midian to escape the death penalty. In that country, God revealed himself to Moses through the burning bush. Moses was a murderer and God still used him for his purpose. It's the same with the people in the prison. We don't know exactly what their situations were. But if there's one being that can redeem a person and turn them to his will for his work, it's God, unequivocally. But at this point, Moses was in exile in the desert. And yet, that is exactly where God wanted him to be. See, God had told Abraham years before that his people would be in bondage, but that he would deliver them to the promised land. 
And God watched as humanity moved forward. And it's clear in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. It says, After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out, and their cry for help because of the difficult labor ascended to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Now, there's something interesting to note here. You know, at the time that God was about to deliver the children of Israel, the overriding concern with God's will was for Israel. It's not, it wasn't for Moses. God was at work with Israel, but he was preparing Moses to be brought into the mainstream of his work to redeem Israel. And I bring that up because we need to apply that to our own lives. God is actively working in the lives of people around us. And just because we don't see it or recognize it doesn't mean that God's not active. This is what faith is. It's a part of it. Unless God opens our eyes spiritually to recognize what he's doing, we will remain blind to his work. Reality, too, of experiencing God is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. God created humanity for a love relationship with him. Mark 12.30 tells us how deeply that relationship should be. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And with all of your strength. Consider that. Do you run to God? Or does he pursue you? I mean, seriously, seriously, consider this. We don't naturally seek God on our own initiative. And that's evident since the fall of man. We thought we knew better than God did. And he created the world. He created everything. And yet we pursue our own desires. But in Romans... 5.8, it's clear that God still pursues us. It says that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This intimate love relationship with God is both very personal and practical. And Blackaby says this is probably the most important factor in knowing and doing the will of God. If your love relationship with God is not as it should be, nothing else will be in order. Now, at this point in time, Moses is is in exile and he's in Midian. He doesn't, you know, he's not in Egypt. What he was actually doing is he was leading his sheep to Horeb, which means the mountain of God. It's likely that he was going to worship there. But God interrupted Moses' plans by encountering him at the burning bush. He told Moses he would go with Moses into Egypt. And that's important. God did not say, go and do. He said, we would go. As in, he and Moses would go together into Egypt. Later, after Pharaoh had sent Israel away, God again shows us that he is pursuing a love relationship with Moses. In Exodus chapter 24, verse 12, 
we see Moses is invited to Mount Sinai for the covenant ceremony. And the Bible says this, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me onto the mountain, and stay there, so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. God sought to communicate with Moses time and time again, and that close relationship was based out of love. And it was very practical as well, because God guided and provided for his people under the leadership of Moses. You can find other examples of God's relationship with Moses. One of those is in Numbers chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. And then you can also spend some time in Exodus, this would be chapter 33, verse 7, all the way through chapter 34, verse 10. The third reality of experiencing God is that God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. Now, remember that because in the first reality that we talked about, it was that God was focused on His work of bringing Israel out of Egypt, and He brought Moses into His work. His work was not on Moses specifically. See, God is the sovereign ruler of the universe, and he's been working throughout history to accomplish his purpose. He doesn't ask us to dream our dreams for him, and he doesn't invite us to set huge goals and pray that he will help us achieve them. God has an agenda already, and that's when he approaches us for a love relationship with him. He desires to get us from where we are to where he is working. And that journey takes us from our self-centeredness to a God-centered life. So when God reveals to you where he is working, that becomes his invitation to join him in his activities. When God reveals his work to you, that is when you should respond. You should not deny God when he's clearly reaching out to you and telling you, I love you, Join me. For Moses, God's purpose was to emancipate Israel and establish them as a nation in their own land. Moses was the vessel, as we discussed before. God creates us and molds us into a vessel for his purpose. Moses was the vessel intended to accomplish God's plan. God tells Moses this in Exodus chapter 3, verses 8-10. through 10. He says, And I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them from the land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, the Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, Therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. At this point, Moses was all about taking care of his sheep when he ran into God at the, the burning bush. It would never have crossed his mind to liberate Israel had God not invited him to do so. Yet, there Moses was, summoned, to join a work for God, with God, 
And it's one that he had been preparing for centuries to accomplish. Now that's it for the first part of chapter 5. Next time we will cover the last four realities of experiencing God. If this series has given you some food for thought, I highly suggest you buying the book and the study guide. Encourage your church to add it as a lesson for men and women. If you don't attend church or you did and you stopped going but find yourself listening to this, God is talking to you. He wants an intimate and personal love relationship with you. Consider that He put you at this place and at this time to listen, just like He did with Moses, just like He did with me. Because at one point in time, I stopped going to church. I didn't stop believing that God existed. But what I did do was turn my back on him and start doing things that I wanted to do. I didn't get into a whole bunch of trouble, but that's not the point. The point is, is that I forsake the things that God was offering me. And then on a chance encounter, I met my wife and we started talking and she invited me to her church while we were dating and I went to the church and and that's when I realized that he was calling out to me. He's telling me, son, it's time to come back home. And he's doing the same to you if you're listening to this. He's calling out to you. And I encourage you to accept that call and enter into that personal and intimate love relationship with him. Because there's nothing like it. There absolutely isn't. Now, if you're interested in that, and you'd like to, please reach out. We'd love to have a conversation with you. If you'd like, you can also reach out to us and we will work to find a local church that can help you. Will you pray with me? God, we are prepared to dive deep into discovering you. It's my hope that with this reading and just sharing life with one another, we can see the reality of who you are by what you reveal to us. We know without question that love is deeply entwined with the relationship you want with us. And I pray that we remain clear on that as we see that and so much more of who you are. But we know that it starts with your love. You love those around us, and it allows us to see you are always at work. The sacrifice of Jesus for our atonement is proof that you give everything in pursuit of a real and personal love relationship with your children. When we reach that clarity, we see that it is just the start. Your invitation to be involved in your work is humbling. Because you don't need us to accomplish anything. And yet you wish to use us for the great things that you are working on as we pursue you in turn. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the grace. And thank you for caring for the one among 99. We love you and praise you in your holy name. Amen.
Thank you again for taking time out of your day to spend with us. Can I ask a small favor? Okay, well maybe it's a couple, but they are really important. First, can you subscribe to us? Second, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, can you give us a rating and let us know how we're doing? That helps our podcast get discovered. And if I'm honest, it makes us feel good too. Even if it's just a one star out of five, it's crucial feedback so that we can improve. One last thing, can you share this with your family or friends? We're on all major podcast platforms, and even if it's just two people, maybe your whole Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're comfortable with, we're happy to have that. It would mean the world to us, because every little bit helps us get discovered and allows us to share God's message to the world. We hope that by sharing this prayer with you, that you are encouraged to pray more often and more comfortably. And most importantly, your relationship with God grows in talking with Him. If you'd like to share a prayer, check out the link below and contact us. We love you and hope that you visit us again next week.